I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline the Podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched Offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today, Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast, a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. I can't believe the time has come to close season two of Offline. Two to three times a year, I'm taking a month off production, but not recording, to brainstorm what I hope will be an interesting and exciting new season for you to enjoy. I've got some incredible guests in the recording bank, and I've also got some scheduled to record soon, but instead of closing season two with one of them, I decided to dedicate this episode to you. So consider it yours. If you submitted a question on Instagram, thank you. I've selected some that seek to explore self, spirituality and personal development. I'm a bit nervous because I decided to challenge myself by not scripting my answers. So right now it's just me basically in a cupboard. My Uber Eats is on the ground. It's 3.30 in the afternoon. I'm starving. And I'm just going to go for this and see, see how I go. So I hope it's interesting Beyond the copy and paste that I did off Instagram, I haven't actually looked at the question since, so let's see how I go. Thank you for your support for this season. I've said this before, but I want to say it again. Offline was for you, but now it is because of you. Okay, let's get stuck in. Okay, the first question. I'm keeping these anonymous, by the way, because... I don't know, some of them felt quite personal. I thought you wouldn't want your name read out. (laughs) Um, Okay, how can we trust we are on the right path when the universe only ever gives you the stepping stone just in front? That's a really good question. Um, I guess I would go straight to intuition. And, you know, as a woman really looking in and drawing down on that and asking it to guide you, I think, you know, the universe... Certainly from what I've studied and there's a little bit of Vedic philosophy in this, but what it wants us to do is evolve. So when I think about being on the right path, I think, is this evolutionary to me? Am I going to move forward? Am I going to learn something? Or is it a path that feels more stuck in what I've done before? Or maybe it's more fear-based, like you know, the path might feel like, oh, there's good money there, or it sounds like a good opportunity, but you kind of know, you know, either way where your heart sits with it. So I would say, yeah, definitely trust your intuition. And also, yeah, just ask the question of yourself, like, is this evolutionary? Is this pushing me forward? 
Um, next question. In those big moments in your life, especially where there was a shift or an ending, what is the one lesson you learned from the experience? Hmm. Well, I guess I'll go straight to the biggest shift I've had in the last, I guess, few years was leaving that big job. Um, I think the biggest lesson I learned was never to give myself over to a business ever again. So like emotionally, mentally and physically giving all of myself to a job and a company and brands that, you know, while absolutely beautiful and gosh, that will always be a highlight for me. They weren't mine. And so I often sit and question why I gave so much of myself and I deprioritized everything else in my life, like my friendships, my family, my health, you know, my own kind of emotional well-being. Um, so, yeah, the biggest lesson I learned in that last shift was never give all of yourself over to something that isn't yours. Oh, I love this question. Okay. How do you prompt your logical, rational husband on board for your self-discovery journey? Since my mum passed away in 2016, I've been on my life path inwards. My husband, on the other hand, rationalises everything. I know everyone starts when they're ready, but I love him so damn much and I'm worried he's missing out. He thinks I'm a bit woo-woo when I start talking about this stuff. So I'm keen to hear how Tony feels and where he's at with it. It's another great question. Um, you know, I think I've been with Tony. I don't, I definitely know I've been with Tony for close to nine years. And so because I've always felt, I guess, spiritual, that I've always acknowledged my spirituality, he's always known me to be explorative, I guess, in those areas. So I absolutely know that I'm more in it these days than I was before and it's more of a focus for me personally. Um, you know, I don't think he'd mind me saying there's been times when it has felt a bit much um, because if somebody's not on that journey themselves by choice, perhaps it's not the right time, maybe there's curiosity there but, you know, not enough to actually go and seek it out. Um, you know, there's definitely been times where it's felt like quite a lot and all I've ever asked of him in the moment is to respect the work I'm doing and, you know, if he doesn't understand it, then us having a really healthy conversation about it and I guess my experiences with it. But to be honest, he has been um, really quite supportive and I think he's just always known it about me. Um, and then now as I'm diving deeper, I can see that he's quite proud of the work I'm doing and and also how the, the work as I lean into my own spirituality is kind of influencing the podcast as well, I guess, and lots of other areas of our lives as well. Um, so, yeah, so my advice would be just to not sort of shy away from those more full and frank conversations about it. And, you know, sometimes when you talk about anything that might lean spiritual like tarot or astrology or crystals, say, um, or different healing modalities that don't feel 
perhaps mainstream, some people can laugh or roll their eyes. Um, and my advice to you in that moment is just to challenge them on that and and help them sort of understand your point of view. Like, I don't think we have to shy away from talking about our self-work because often people will laugh at something they don't understand or that they're scared of and so know that it might come from a place of fear versus, you know, them intentionally trying to hurt your feelings. What skills do I need on my resume to get your attention? <laughs> well, I fucking wish I was hiring. Um, one day soon, I know that day is coming. You know, for me, it's always been less about where you studied or what degree you have or even what experience you have, quite frankly. To me, it's always been about how personalised the resume is to the work that I'm doing at the time. Um, so showing me that you have a deep understanding of what we're trying to do in, say, the business or even for me for offline. Um, and then perhaps sharing how you'll bring value and what value you think you'll bring, um, what perhaps opportunities you see for what we're doing that we're maybe not currently in. Um, so it's certainly more value-based than it is just about selling yourself on a piece of paper. Um, but yeah, I think the more personal, the better. Um, okay. If you could go back and give your tween self a piece of guidance on discovering and accepting self, what would it be? I love this question because I put myself through quite a bit mentally and emotionally when I was younger. Um, I think I felt quite identified with self, but I didn't really know perhaps how to express that to other people. And then I also felt like a bit freakish isn't the word, but I felt really evolved. And then I kind of minimized that because I didn't want to come across, I don't know, in a way that maybe people wouldn't understand. I didn't want to feel exposed. So if I could give my tween self advice, I think I would say to her to just sit in self. You know, it's really what offline is all about, sitting in true self. I kind of wish I'd done that earlier because now that I'm doing it, it feels really good. Um, and then, yeah, maybe just going easier on myself. Like I've always known that I've had a higher purpose. And so maybe trusting that intuition that no matter what, you're going to explore that and you're going to realise that at some point um, instead of feeling like I was constantly chasing it or having to like use ambition and drive to get there of maybe just sitting back and waiting to respond a bit more versus pushing myself into things that didn't feel growing. Um... Okay, how do I get rid of self-doubt? Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice on this one is stop believing the stories you tell yourself about yourself. So this concept of observing your thoughts versus feeling your thoughts, like that's kind of expansive, but the way I've spoken about it before is when the thought pops up in your head and maybe it's like, I'm shit, or this is, I'm going to embarrass myself, or I'm not good enough for this, or I'm an imposter and people are going to find me out, or I don't think I can do this. And 
who am I fooling type thing. I mean, they're all the ones I run daily. Um, my advice would be in your mind, pi- like picture picking up the thought and holding it in front of you and just analysing that thought. So instead of feeling it and letting it in, instead just seek to understand it and also question the thought. Like, why? Why are you saying that to yourself? Um, you know, you can imagine what the conversations in my head sound like. But um, but that's that's worked for me, you know, if I put some distance between my thoughts, which is actually in ego, isn't it? So our thoughts and our personality is in ego versus um, the self or the spirit or the soul. So if you can put some space between those and observe from the self into the thoughts, that's helped me. Um, and then look, beyond that sort of more... I guess, view from a sort of maybe a more um, a state of consciousness. If I think about more practical advice, it would just be having the right people around you who understand you and in the moments when you are feeling really doubtful about your ability or your capability to lean on them and say like, you know, sometimes we just need a bit of a pep talk. Like I have incredible girlfriends and you know, um, and many in my life as well who offer me that when I need it. Um, like one of the only reasons I started coaching is because I was sitting on the lounge with one of my girlfriends. I'll just, I hope she doesn't mind, Billy. Um, and I was just saying to her, like, I feel called to it again. Like, I feel like I've had a rest and I'm ready to engage and give back again. And I really love coaching and mentoring but then I had that whole thing in my, that narrative in my head where I was like, no, you can't and no one's going to pay you for that. And oh, what are you going to charge? And what if you put it out there and no one books? And she just gave me the courage and the support I needed in that moment to go and do it. So, but she knows me so well, you know, so it's important you have those people around you. Um, next question. What drives your passion? Oh my God. Um, I guess self is my passion and it's always been my passion. Like I've spoken a bit before about um, when I was young and it was around about eight or nine, I started to self-isolate, which means I started to go really um, inward quite young. Um, And so I've always, I mean, if I think about that, I can't do the maths right now how many years that is. Um, but it's always been a constant for me, this kind of concept of self and getting to know myself better. So perhaps, um, I don't know if I'm lucky, but maybe my passion um, is what drives me in a lot of ways, you know, because for me, there's nothing else like this concept of moving in the direction of your soul or moving towards the soul, like I'm obsessed with it. So the fact that I've created a podcast about it and And then as I think about what's beyond this podcast for offline, I start to get really excited about that as a business, you know? So then I've been talking a lot lately, like your passion doesn't have to make you your money, but, you know, every now and again it might. And I'm starting to think that perhaps mine might, Um, but we'll see. I hope that's helpful. Um, how do you best deal with trying to get to where you want to be or are wanting to grow more as a person 
while still also being present and grateful for who you are and where you are now. You know, I actually think you've kind of answered your own question there. I think my advice is to be present and grateful for who you are and where you are now. I think, you know, I've, I've, I believe a lot in destiny and, you know, that we choose a lot of our challenges and our path. And so if I think about this concept of it all being predestined, all we need to do is relish every moment um, and be grateful for just all of the small stuff like our health and our families and our food and, you know, the fact that we can afford warm clothes. And I'm really there now, you know, where it's like this mass consumerism, like this desire to have more and be more and buy more, like we're constantly wanting and chasing and trying to acquire. And I put it in my true self email this week, like, it feels less like a life and more like an acquisition strategy. (laughs) So my advice there is like wherever you're meant to be, you're going to get there. So there's really, and I know that sounds like, oh yeah, but like what about career wise or meeting the love of my life or whatever, but it's coming. And if we can all lean out a little bit, I think, and just focus on developing self and getting to know ourselves better it puts us in this phenomenal state of mind and it raises our frequency you know I speak a lot about um, our vibrational frequency the energy you know that we bring into rooms and that we hold for ourselves and the more you know yourself the more empowered you are and so the higher your frequency is and the higher your frequency is the more it's attracted to you the jobs, the people, the friends, the opportunities. So, yeah, I hope that's helpful. Um, how do you hold on to a strong image of yourself? How do you stay true to your personal brand and not compare yourself to others? Or how do you bounce back and overcome these things? I'm sorry if my voice is shaky. I'm actually freezing. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, I guess for that one, I would go back to like, I feel like I've always had quite a strong sense of self and image is a whole other thing. I don't know whether I've ever had a strong image of myself. Um, I think I'm getting more and more comfortable with showing... um, what I stand for and trying to communicate what integrity looks like for me as I kind of navigate this new space. Um, So, yeah, I think the big thing for me is this is not a personal brand. It's who I am. And we talk a lot about authenticity and you can't um, write strategy for being authentic, you know, or you can't plan, okay, I'm going to be more authentic or I'm going to be more genuine. You just have to be more authentic and genuine in your everyday life. And then I think that flows through to everything from like your social channels to your work, to how you are in a workplace, to how you show up in your relationship or in your family. Um, And then on the comparison thing, you know, I just made a decision really early that I wasn't going to compete. 
and that I wasn't going to compare myself. And so I can't look backwards or sideways. I just have to look forward and I just have to put one step in front of the other every day. Like my life right now is very unplanned. I just, you know, I know what my priorities are, but I wake up and I just think, okay, just today. You just have to get through today. And what do you want to achieve today? What's important today? How do I make sure I keep some of that beautiful self-care in there as well? Um, Versus trying to be too planned and like monthly or quarterly, which I used to work more on sort of like a quarterly cycle. And then again, I'm thinking like that's just no way to live a life, (laughs) you know? Um, What advice would you give someone in their 30s who is starting a new career path? Well, first of all, I would say congratulations, like taking a leap in your 30s is extremely difficult because we have so much self-doubt. We also, you know, for me, I had this kind of, oh my God, is everything I've done kind of irrelevant? But no, everything we've done leads up to this very thing. So we are a sum of our experiences. Um, The advice I have for you is just be kind to yourself, be patient Like if you reach the top of a career you're in and then you're swabbing into another sector or industry, then it's going to take time. And what I'm really focused on is um, very deliberate, um, meaningful, slow work and just having to lean out a bit there and say like, you can't reach quality at speed. It just, those two things don't exist together. So my advice would be just to like enjoy the the learning process and yeah, be really gentle on yourself, particularly mentally, because I know we can put ourselves through the ringer a bit. Um, and then like on the money side, if it's a new career path and maybe you reached your earning power in your old job and sometimes you have to take a step back um, financially to start a new career, I would say try not to worry about that because the money will come. And we have to believe that like it will come and you will become an expert in what you're doing and you will be able to command that money again. But if you are financially stable enough to take, to press pause, I was going to say take your hit, but it's not that, it's just pressing pause. We're allowed to be in earning periods and out of earning periods. And then also what is earning? Because right now I'm earning a lot of like happiness credits, you know, (laughs) and personal and professional fulfillment. And even when I was, I guess, earning in a senior role, I didn't take good care of that money because I didn't, um, I didn't respect it, I don't think. But I have a very complex relationship with money. Um, okay, I'm going to do a couple more. Um, What advice would you give to yourself at the beginning of your career based on what you know now, particularly in terms of achieving success while obtaining wellness? Well, listen, I don't know whether I achieved success and obtained wellness. I think I sacrificed the wellness to have the quote unquote success. And like the success that was realized for me is a traditional definition of it. It's not like everyone's definition of success like I would say I feel more successful now than I did when I had the job and the title on the brands and you know maybe that everybody else could put me in a box 
then, whereas now I quite like that. Maybe you can't a bit, I don't know. <laughs> um, but one thing I've been really focused on this time around, I feel like this is my second shot, is to prioritise my wellness because I can't be successful if I'm not well. And that's a big thing for me, especially in the space that I'm working in now. You know, I can't do good, meaningful work if I feel mentally or emotionally unstable or if my body isn't showing up for me. So it really is about, you know, I've never spent more money on body acupuncture and herbs, <laughs> um, supplements, um, all of that stuff. It's like I didn't really prioritise that in my budget before, but I would like drop a thousand dollars on a pair of Balenciaga shoes. And now I just look at that and I'm like, that's so warped that you would do that. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. And so I guess if you're at the start of your career, what would my advice be there is like, what would it look like if you placed your wellness and your well-being on the same level that you placed your ambition in your career? Okay, today is a hard day for me as I work my butt off my my butt off my butt off to start my own business. Can you tell me about the hard days? How do you break out of the self spiral, get your breath back, and keep moving forward? Oh, doll, I'm having a many of these days at the moment. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you can't really know what it feels like until you're doing it, and some days it feels really um, overwhelming and that I kind of know what I need to do but I'm almost paralyzed to start so I feel you on those hard days where you just it does feel like a spiral um, you know I will say I'm going to take this as worthy inquiry um, Vedic meditation or meditating has been probably my saving grace there because when I was in a period of real anxiety and a lot of spiraling a lot of the time, it wasn't until I learned to meditate that I was freed from those spirals and that anxiety as well. So now when I'm having those days where it all just feels like too fucking much and I can't do it, I meditate. And, you know, some part of me thinks, God, if I'd heard that advice a year ago, I would have rolled my eyes and said, oh God, no one's got time to meditate. Like, don't just give us the meditation line. Like, I get it. Um, and all I can do right now is speak through my own lived experience and it's the only thing that allows me to switch off from my thoughts and my feelings and access, I guess, a deeper state of consciousness that allows me to feel still um, and then I can kind of pop back out again and everything feels a little bit more sweeter um, and perhaps not as aggressive and... Um, unstable as it did before so yeah I mean stability is a good word for me and meditation because it's brought me a lot of that um how do us lay people find access okay you're not lay people you're my people um find and access that same level of passion for our work that powers you and all the all of your beautiful guests to such incredible places Okay, I have to go back to the self thing. I feel like a lot of the guests that I've interviewed, they know themselves really well and they know 
they know what they're good at. Like, you know, that book Strengths Finder is actually really good. Um, but understanding what you're really good at versus what you're not good at and then leaning into the strengths versus not. Um, but the more we know ourselves, um, the better it is to to realise our passion through our work, you know. Um, so I think that's, if I think about us as a collective, and it's not across the board, but for many of us, that's what powers us to the places, I guess. it's, And I guess when you say places, it's like the success or the perceived success that many of my guests are having. I think it comes from having a really deep understanding of self, um, have confronted a lot of their stuff, you know, a lot of their perhaps trauma, their programming, um, you know, even if they're not so public about the self-work they've done, it's there. Um, and then it's amazing how efficient you can get when you feel like you know who you are. And that's been true for me. Okay, I'm going to do one last one. Have you ever had a sliding doors moment in your life? A moment that if you chose a different way, your life would be entirely different to how it is now? I do. You know, I could be in London. Is one, That's my sliding doors moment. I went and spent some time with my dad. He lives in the UK when I was about 23, 24. And... I was there for, I think, about four months and I decided that I would come home. I would resign from my job because I was on unpaid leave back when you could do that. <laughs> um, I was going to resign from my job and I was going to move over there and I was going to have a new start in London. And a big part of that was I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere here professionally, but also personally. Like I really wanted to meet someone like I'd been single for four years. And I mean, like single like, <laughs> there was no one. Um, and I was getting a bit worried, I think, like, oh, okay, maybe I'll just be on my own and and that'll be okay. Um, but then deep down, I was like, no, I, I want that love and I deserve that love. Um, but maybe the love's in London. Um, and then career-wise as well, I thought there was more of an op- – I was better connected, I would say, in London journalism-wise than I was in Sydney because I had no connections in media here. Um, so I came home – and I can't remember if I'd had the chat with my boss or I was about to, but I had to go and cover an event for work. Um, and I didn't really want to go to the event. And then I went to the event and I was sitting on my own and I was scrolling. What was then, do you remember Hipstamatic? I think it was called. It was like pre-Instagram. Um, I was scrolling on that. And of course, there was like two people on there. So I just was like, scroll, scroll. <laughs> And then that was it. I'd have to refresh. Um, and as I was doing that, Tony came up to me and he asked me if I was buying a book because we we're at a book launch. And I was such a bitch. I was like, I have the book. And I basically just <laughs> barred him. Um, and then he went away and then he came back and was like, can I buy you a drink? And he spilled his drink on me. And I was like, oh, you know, like, thank, thanks, but no thanks, I think is what I said to him. <laughs> which is so awful. Um, and then he said, look, I've got to go, but can I get your number and 
I just dismissed him and gave him my business card. And he called me at 8am the next day to ask me if he could take me out for coffee at 10am. And because he had my business card, he knew my address. (laughs) So I reluctantly went to the coffee and I remember saying to Claire Fletcher, who's a dear friend of mine, incredible writer, who I worked with and she actually spoke at our wedding. I said to her, oh, I'm just going to go and have coffee with this guy. He was like basically harassing me last night. Um, and I went and had coffee with him and that was it, you know, and then I didn't leave my job. I definitely didn't leave the country and, um, you know, that was nearly nine years ago. So as a sliding doors moment, is that kind of, is that what a sliding doors moment is? <laughs> I hope so. Um, but yeah, that's probably the, the one that, yeah, has, I guess, influenced my life the most because the concept of being in London and not knowing Tony, let alone not being with Tony, I can't even wrap my head around that. So, okay, well, um, I hope that was interesting. I am flying by the seat of my pants here. Um I can't wait to plan season three for you guys and for me too. Um, I've got some really exciting guests lined up already and I'm thinking really hard about where to take this. And, you know, I welcome your advice and as always your feedback and who do you want me to interview? So like DM me because I'm on that train now where I'm doing a bit of outreach and I'm thinking about what the shape of the season might look like. So I would love your input because this is ours. Um, Yeah, and I want to thank you for your support so far for season one and season two. It's wild that I'm still doing this and I love it. So thank you for listening and I'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them. <laughs>